Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. So today's scripture verse is from the Old Testament, and it's very short, but it's loaded in what it implies for the marital life. As you listen to this verse, ask yourself, what are the constructs of marriage anyway? Is it between a man and a woman, or does it mean something else entirely? And what aspects or qualities are the building blocks of a sustainable marriage? Genesis 2:24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. There are so many different ways to watch TV right now, and I love it and dislike it at the same time. I love it because of all the choices I have. I dislike it because of all the choices I have. But I also like it because there are shows that I watched growing up. Some of them were actually in existence before I was born, but I remember watching the reruns of them and enjoyed them. One of my favorite shows, and I think it was one of the most endearing couples on TV for me, is I Love Lucy. I just, I love that show. The other shows that I also enjoyed were shows such as Leave it to Beaver, Father Knows Best, and then perhaps some of you might remember, I don't, rem I don't know if you were born by then, but Ozzie and Harriet. These sitcoms became quite popular in the 1950s. It was in the 1950s that we actually saw a boom of TVs in individuals' homes. They more than doubled in the 1950s. And they were keeping up to put out sitcoms that individuals would watch. But these sitcoms had a purpose. They were to depict the ideal family. So what is the ideal family depicted on these sitcoms in the 1950s and the mid-1960s? White, middle-class couples. That was presented to the United States as the ideal family. White, middle-age, I, I mean, I'm sorry, middle-class couples. They enjoyed watching them because it presented a picture on those shows of the ideal family having these values and this culture. And it was something that was very appealing to the audience, but it wasn't reality. What was depicted on the TV screen is not what was happening behind closed doors in people's homes. Not everyone alive during that time was white middle class. There was such a diversity already in the United States, but that wasn't depicted. Families had different values, different cultural, different traditions. They were never mentioned. Perhaps the best we can say about these TV shows is they were a sanitized version of reality. 
but we ate it up. And one of the reasons why we ate it up is it resonated with us. And the reason it resonated with us was because many of us growing up here in the United States in a Western culture had been taught that that was the ideal. That marriage was between a man and a woman and we had evidence to support it. And it wasn't something we just liked. It was actually God's will. And the go-to text to support the idea that marriage is between a man and a woman, and it is monogamous, meaning you come together and you are together the rest of your life, and you only have sex with that person. The reason why that worked was because people looked to the Bible, and the go-to text was Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, the text that Janelle read for us. And again, it says, For this reason, a man shall leave his wife, I mean, I'm sorry, his father and his mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. How many weddings have you been to where you've heard that text read? It's the ideal. But when it comes to the rest of the Old Testament, uh, we don't look very hard to find out what marriages were like. Unfortunately, if you read the Bible, which, by the way, can be dangerous, one of the things I tell people is if you're happy with what you believe and you don't want to mess it up, don't read the Bible. Because when you read the Bible, more than likely you're going to see things in there that are going to challenge some of those beliefs. For me, it's a passion. I love it. And one of the things I discovered in reading the Old Testament was this ideal that we have out there is not necessarily the ideal that is found the reality of the Old Testament. Now, was it monogamous? Yes, for women. For women. In the Old Testament, monogamy is for women. Women can have one husband. That's it. Now, men? <laughs> men on the other side. If you have enough resources, you can have more than one wife. If you have enough resources, you might not only have wives, but you might have concubines, which were women that belonged to you, but you didn't have the same commitment with them. Marriage was transactional in the Old Testament. You didn't marry for love. Now, you, you might get lucky that the person you were picked to be with, that you fell in love with them, but that wasn't the reason why you get, got married. This whole idea of romance and, and love for the basis of marriage didn't come into existence probably until about the Middle Ages. In the Old Testament, people get married for two reasons. 
to have children and to own property. That's how property was transacted. It was moved from one family to another family or passed on from one family to the next generation. That was marriage. Prostitution was acceptable. And that was the reality at that time. But that's the reality that we would like to ignore. But what we find out is that scattered throughout the Old Testament is there's different ideas on what marriage really meant. Ideas that today we would not be comfortable with. Well, that's the Old Testament. So thank God for the New Testament, right? WWJD, what would Jesus do? Do not ask that question of Jesus when it comes to marriage because you will not like the answer. I know of very few individuals who follow the teachings of Jesus when it comes to marriage. There's a story in Mark chapter 12. The, fair, the Sadducees at that time did not believe in the resurrection. Jesus did. So they thought they would, you know, they would trick him, they would catch him, make life difficult for him. So referring back to Deuteronomy, they said, Jesus, let's say there was this woman who married this man. And she never conceived and had a child with him. And he dies. Are you ready for this? The law required, you can find it in Deuteronomy, the law required that you, the brother, had to take her into your family and produce children for your brother's behalf. A whole new meaning to in-laws. But that's what was required. Remember what I said, marriage was for two main reasons, to have children and for property. So if your brother died without having any children, that affected the transition of power and of property to the next generation. So they, the Sadducees asked Jesus, there's this man, marries this woman, she never gets pregnant, he dies, her brother steps up to the plate, they are together, she never gets pregnant, he dies. Guess what, folks? There's seven brothers in that family. So all seven end up being with her, and she never gets pregnant. And they all die. And then they ask Jesus, so tell me, Jesus, when they get to heaven, which one is their husband? And again, the purpose of this 
was to discount the reality of the resurrection. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus replied, You're mistaken. Your mistake is that you don't know the Scriptures, and you don't know the power of God. Here it is. For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. Jesus believed that the kingdom of God or heaven, there would be no marriage. And so it would be best to not be married now, to not have sex now. A biblical scholar by the name of Bart Ehrman says the following, Jesus taught his followers that they were supposed to implement the ideals of the kingdom and the kingdom of God in the present. In short, to live their lives as though they were already in the kingdom. You've heard this before, perhaps. We are to live like the kingdom of God is present now. Then listen to the implication of what Jesus says. And in the kingdom, there will be no sex and no marriage. If you are to implement the ideals of the kingdom in the here and now, then that appears to mean that you should abstain from sex and marriage. I remember as a child, the first time I read that text. And I thought to myself, before the kingdom of God comes, I hope I can get married. Because if I don't, I will be a virgin for all eternity. Now, as a 13-year-old, that was significant for me. But that's what Jesus believed. That's what Jesus taught. And he wasn't alone. Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, he supports this idea. Paul says that he would like the fellow Christians to be like him. Paul abstained from sex, and Paul abstained from marriage. One writer said the following about Paul, in original Christian tradition, those who abstained from sex were clearly better people than those who did not. Now, if you got a problem with lust, and you can't control your desires, well... Number one, shame on you. Number two, you better get married. Now, that's not ideal. But it's better to marry than to have sex and fornicate and sin against God. So get married. That was the norm. That's what Paul and Jesus taught. 
But as Christians, we don't talk about that. Instead, we as Christians talk about definitively that marriage is between a man and a woman, and it's monogamous. Now, personally, I prefer that. That's what I am most comfortable with. But I can't find the Bible to find that support of that with, without ignoring these other passages. The church fathers, that's what they believed. Initially, they believed that original sin, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, original sin is basically about lust. Once they eat that fruit, they begin to lust. And that's the sin. So the picture that we portrayed in the 1950s with I Love Lucy and Ozzy and Harriet, if we're really honest, it's not in the Bible as clear as we would like it to be. And in some ways, that's good news. Because what it means is we are honoring our ancestors. Let me explain. Our ancestors, they were participants in the evolving of marriage. Marriage was changing. It was evolving over time. One individual said that in the last 70 years, marriage has changed more than it did in the preceding 5,000. Marriage has changed more in the last 70 years than it did in the past 5,000. In the 1920s, in the 1920s, a huge shift in marriage took place. Women had the right to vote. Well, what does that have to do with marriage? For the first time, a man and a woman were both recognized as citizens. It began to bring equality to marriage. In the 1960s, women and men of different races were finally able to marry. 1960s, interracial marriage was finally allowed. In the 1960s, birth control became legal. Those two radically changed what marriage looked like. The door swung wide open to the potential for women. They now could enjoy sex without worrying about getting pregnant. 
which then opened the doors for them to have life outside of the home. In the 1970s, this might be shocking for some of it was for me to hear this. In the 1970s, the law finally recognized the concept of marital rape, which up to that point was inconceivable as the husband, ready, owned his wife's sexuality. 1970s. And then in 2015, same-sex marriage became legal. We have seen more changes over the last 70 years when it comes to marriage than we have in the previous 5,000. Marriage is evolving. And as Christians, we have to ask ourselves, are we part of this movement or are we standing against the movement? Right now, there is a move to try to, to take away some of those freedoms. Perhaps it's time that as Christians, we were honest with the Bible and realized that in the Bible, marriage was not just one size fits all. And over time, the history of humanity, marriage has changed and it's evolved. And the question now before us is, will we be a part of that evolving? The other thing I find exciting about marriage and this awareness that we find in the Bible is that not only marriage, but committed relationships. Because how you define marriage is through a North American, United States perspective. Janelle and I, earlier this week, we were talking and we found out about, in this one culture, this is marriage. Are you ready for this? You have your hut. And in your hut, you sleep on a hammock. When someone comes into your hut, either a man or a woman, comes into your hut and they set up their hammock and they sleep there in the, in the hut with you, they share that with you, the rest of the community says, ah, they're married. No ceremony, no signing a law, I mean, piece of paper. And if one morning, one of you get up, take your hammock, and walk out and go to another hut, then the community looks and says, ah, they're not married anymore. For them, that is just as legitimate as for us. So marriage is all about what we, as a society, put on it. So if you are in a marriage or if you're in a committed relationship, in my opinion, just my opinion, it is an opportunity to practice one of the teachings of Jesus. 
love one another. <laughs> it's easy to love someone you don't know very well. You don't know all their flaws. You haven't been around them long enough to understand the things that will eventually bother you if you were. But when you're in a committed relationship, married or not, there's another person in your life who truly gets to know you. And they still love you. And you get the opportunity to love another person even if there's things about them that are really just not your preference. And if we can do that with the person that we are, and that's the key word, committed to, then it becomes a lot easier as we move into the larger world to love people around us that we don't know as well. You see, there's so much ambiguity in the Bible. And the more I read the Bible, the more I'm aware of it. But the one thing that I hang my hat on over and over again, and it's found not only in the teachings of Jesus, but it's found in the Old Testament, is that you love one another. And marriage and committed relationships is a perfect way to do that. Some of you are no longer married. Some of you have never been married. Some of you are still living with your partner. Either you will learn, you are learning, or you have learned the, t the lessons that a committed relationship can teach us. And for that, I believe we should thank God. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving Beatitudes Radio empowering people to enrich society